You know, last episode when I said that I hadn't really done Hamlet in school or anything or studied it? Yeah. I forgot I actually played the Queen in primary school. Yes, we did Hamlet in primary school. Oh, that's quite dark for kids. I know, but no, we didn't actually do all the words and stuff. We just sort of went through the story a bit and I was the Queen. So you're the one that married your brother? No, no, I, I was married to the king, Hamlet's father. Yeah. King died, and then I married um, the king's brother. Oh, right. Okay. Still a bit slightly dodgy, but not, at least not incest, I guess. Yeah, it's dodgy how quickly they got together. Yeah, I, I think even today that would get looked upon. No, really? They'd be talking about that in the tabloids. Yeah, the tabloids, those trusted, trusted things. They're morally superior to us, so, you know. I mean, we shouldn't really disregard all print journalism, because some journalism is actual journalism. But then there's actual journalism and tabloid journalism. Tabloid journalism is the one that I wish a fiery death upon. Yeah, they're like a cancer. They really are. They're horrible. I don't like it when people read tabloid journalism but then i have a few friends that are really into it and they're really into the kardashians and Uh, i'm just like you are so lucky that you're my friend because normally i would just be slating the shit out of you so you should feel just honored to be Mm. my friend really because i'm allowing this yeah i mean i can't believe you overlook it to be honest believe me i've had trouble not allowed to do it in my presence yeah because they know they'll get comments Sure, I still comment on it and I insult it, but I don't insult them or completely cut them out of my life. I've grown past that at my tender age now. Yeah. I'm in the decades. It's got to still be tempting though. Yeah, but I've come a long way from the last few years. I've stopped freezing people out of my life, I think. Yeah. Before, you could just annoy me once and I'm saying, no, fuck it, you're dead to me. Yeah, so I'm like that with people who, like, made in Chelsea. But your friends are Chris. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand why we're friends with Chris sometimes. <laughs> and he wasn't even the one that I was talking about. He's far too cheerful, I think, for us too. Yeah, I know, right? But I think that would be handy in this podcast if he ever decided to show up. He's always standing us up. Yeah, I, I don't think it's more a question of why are we friends with him. It's more... Why is he friends with us? us? I think that's the question you've got to be asking us. I don't know. I've accumulated an array of really odd friends. Yeah. Cohesively, on paper, we probably shouldn't go together. Yet, in practice, we do. Yeah. It's a weird weird lot. Yeah. Our little circle. It was called a clique the other day. I bumped into someone we knew from... Well, you probably didn't know him, but someone from uni. And he he described us as a clique several times. Ooh. And clique is bad, isn't it? Um, it can have bad connotations, but it's not necessarily bad in itself. Some people do use it to kind of mean bad things. Mm. I don't think we were particularly cliquey. I mean, we're all inclusive. I mean, yeah. Chris was the only white guy in the group, other than you. Yeah, you perhaps were a bit racist, but I don't know. Yeah. No, as in there was an array of different people. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I meant, as he was the only white guy. Yeah. We were the international clique. Or racist. You know, that's that's what you have to decide. But, Matt, it's international. <laughs> There's people from every walk of life. You could still be racist. <laughs> Unlike international. Yeah, I guess... To be fair, you were only friends with people for food, usually. So, you were probably just friends with them for the international food. Nah, nah, Matt, that was literally only you. Oh, right, well... Well, international food, you know, there's a bit of a mixture, <laughs> I think. <laughs> oh, Lord. 
Mm. Well, I don't think we're a clique, okay? No, we're definitely not. No. We're all inclusive. Mm. We're not a clique. We don't cut... Okay, I cut people out of my life. <laughs> we don't kill people in bars, do we, Tom? No, we don't assassinate people. And also, we're not high-ranking officials in, you know, law and parliament and commons and the judiciary or religious yeah. things like Catholicism and Protestantism. Also, we, we weren't alive at the times of Elizabeth I. So. We weren't, or the Privy Council, or the Elizabethan era in general. Because that was way back in the 1500s. Yeah, and, and we've not been around that long, thank God. I, th- I think everyone's grateful about that. To be honest, it seems quite interesting in the 1500s, looking into it. It was, it was. I'm not sure I'd want to go back there myself. No. I think the poor were even worse off then. Yeah, you know, they didn't have Theresa May back then either. True. <laughs> Other than this fellow that we're discussing this week. Ooh. He came from very humble beginnings. Oh, yeah, he did. He, I heard he did have a meteoric ride. Yeah, his father was just a shoemaker. Yet he did good. So this week we will be discussing Christopher Marlowe, also known as Kit. I think we've got to have some intro music at some point. I think we should have it right here. Just like, let's point right here. Point, because everyone can see us. Yeah, let's point. We'll just insert here. Where we talk about stuff. Welcome back. Are you saying that to me or the listeners? The listeners. Oh. You were already here with me and making a funny noise. Okay. Uh, I just like to keep going during those bits of silence sometimes. Yeah. So you know yeah, I'm still there. It's a there. bitch to edit, you know that, right? <laughs> so, okay, this week we're going to be talking about Christopher Marlowe. Uh, we have mentioned him before when we were doing the Who is Shakespeare mm. episode because he is rumoured to have written the works of Shakespeare because... Some people don't think Shakespeare really existed. Yeah, and, you know, there's similar themes between the two playwrights' plays. Yeah, Shakespeare is said to be inspired by Marlowe. Yeah, like, I I was reading that Shakespeare's early plays, they're not, you know, he wasn't quite a mature playwright then, whereas Marlowe's were. Yeah, well, Shakespeare had time to mature. Marlowe didn't, and I feel like Marlowe probably led a more interesting life that he could write about, because writing is all about the experiences, right? And some of them that he put in his plays. Yeah, I, I think with both of them, they probably both had pretty interesting lives, particularly for the time. They did a lot of travelling, yeah. which not everybody did, so... No, just writers, apparently. Yeah. Playwrights. Well, playwrights were a big thing back then, though, because there was, like, no other forms of entertainment, really. It was the 1500s. Not you can't really. just put on a TV or go to the cinema. I mean, theatre was the thing. To do. If you became the monarch's favourite, I mean, you were pretty big. What some people are suspicious about is the fact that Shakespeare didn't really become, like, really popular. He didn't kind of make a big name for himself until after Marlowe died. Because um, Shakespeare had been writing, I think, for a little while, but he just he wasn't that well-known at the time. Yeah, but Marlowe... He didn't really have many works published until after he died. Yeah, he had notoriety because his plays had been staged, but this was towards the end of his life anyway. So he didn't really start picking up steam until he, well, around the time he died anyway. Yeah. As well, should I say. Mm. So Kit Marlowe, who we know from Only Lovers Left Alive. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I did go back and watch it after you told me that um, John Hurt's character was Christopher Marlowe. 
just to get it. And I was like, ah, oh, Kit. Okay, I get it now. Uh-huh. Kit Marlowe. We don't have a specific date of birth for Christopher Marlowe. All we know is that he was christened on the 26th of February, 1564. So the likelihood is that he was born a few days beforehand. Mm. And he died on the 30th of May, 1593. And if you're good at math, you can tell that um, he was only 29 years old. Yeah, yeah, that's clever, clever work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whenever I do notes for these episodes, I always put down the birthday, the date, a date of death, and then actually have to manually write the age as well, so I don't have to do maths during the episode. <laughs> it also helps that it's just on the Wikipedia page, and I don't need to do maths at all. Yeah, probably a good idea, actually. Yeah. As we've already established, he was a playwright and poet that lived in the Elizabethan era. He only lived till 29, so obviously he didn't really have a full body of work. So as far as I know, I could be completely wrong. And if you're an English scholar, you can totally email us. As far as I know, he only had six published works, which makes sense because his life was shorter. So the first of his plays to be performed was the Tamburlaine the Great, which followed the exploits of the conqueror Timor. And that was published in 19... I keep doing this. I kept writing it in my notes as well, doing 1950-something rather than 1590-something, which was published in 1590. The first play that he's thought to have written was Dido, the Queen of Carthage. And I'm pretty sure I'm saying it wrong. Carthage, (laughs) Carthage, something like that. That place is now Tunisia. So Dido was founder and first queen of it. Yeah. The play follows her falling madly in love with a man named Aeneas. I'm also probably getting that name wrong. Yeah. And Aeneas was the son of a prince as well as the goddess Aphrodite. She fell madly in love with him through the aid of Cupid. He betrayed her and she killed herself when he left her. Ooh. Uplifting stuff from Marlowe. Yeah. And Dido, I looked into her. She sounds really interesting. I feel like we should do an episode on her. Yeah. This does sound like interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. The other plays that I've read into, as in read the synopsis, include uh, The Jew of Mortal, which was published in 1594. Edward II, which was published in 1593, just five weeks after Marlowe's death. The Jew of Malta featured religious conflict, which could be controversial. Edward II featured homosexuality, which at the time was pretty hard-hitting stuff. Yeah. Another one of his titles was The Massacre at Paris, uh, or of yeah. Paris. I can't I read my writing. One. one of them. I'm not quite sure when it was published. I've got one date, 1953, but I don't know if that's the published date or the date of the first performance. But I'm assuming that's a published date because I certainly hope it was performed before Marlowe died. I think it might have been, if I remember right. This one was highly controversial and people didn't take to it too well. And there's not really a surviving copy. The only surviving copy is of memories of it. So there's no really original work. Yeah. Uh, it follows an English secret agent <laughs> and features assassinations and Catholic mob violence. It's set during the Bartholomew's Day Massacre, which was the French War of Religion. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah, and it was seen as controversial because it seemed to advocate violence to religious people. And the last one you've probably definitely heard of because I actually heard of this one. Uh, Dr. Faustus. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, so that 
features a lot of religious doctrine. Mm. And it could have been performed as early as 1588. And it was published in 1592, so at least during Marlowe's life. Yeah. But his plays are not what we're here to discuss, are they, Matthew? No, no, not, not at all. No. So we did state earlier that Marlowe came from humble beginnings and his father was a shoemaker. But that didn't stop him from excelling in education and going to the best schools possible as he gained a scholarship to Cambridge. Which is pretty impressive. It's pretty impressive now. It must have been even more impressive back yeah. then. So his time at Cambridge was plagued with long absences. And even though he was a scholarship student, he seemed to have a lot of disposable income. Towards the end of his day studying there, they didn't actually want to give him a degree because they thought he was going to go abroad and become a Roman Catholic priest. <laughs> yeah. But the Privy Council stepped in to help him and they wrote a letter to Cambridge advising them to give Christopher Marlowe a degree. This is strange because the Privy Council is basically the elitist of the elite in that time period. Mm. So the Privy Council comprised of, I mean, I did sort of mention earlier, but I didn't mentioned what I was fucking talking about. So the Privy Council comprised of various religious leaders, members of parliament in the House of Commons, House of Lords, judges, and they'd advise the monarchy. And yeah. they basically just run the joint. I mean, they did executive orders like Donald Trump does, probably in quick succession as well. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't to repeal what the previous Privy members <laughs> own laws and rules of conduct, but hey ho. This is a sore point with you. Yeah. So yeah, so you could see how it was strange that these people that are shrouded in mystery, they're probably like MI six in today's government. They're definitely pretty good friends to have, I would have thought. Yeah, they're pretty good friends to have, but this is a humbly raised shoemaker's son. Mm, which, you know, that's got race suspicions, I guess. Yeah. Well, because the Privy Council stepped in and wrote a letter, people in recent times, I say recent times, in the last 500 years, have, well, it's more like 400 really, isn't it? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah, the last the 400 or, <laughs> yeah, the last 400 and so years have come to the conclusion that Christopher Marlowe was a spy. I think, I think they're pretty certain he was, weren't they? Yeah, I mean, there's no evidence whatsoever, but then again, he's a spy. And then again, there is the letter to Cambridge. Yeah. Yeah. Which says that he has conducting unspecified affairs with matters touching the benefit of the country. That kind of sounds spyish, doesn't it? That sounds very important work, that does. So. Yeah. I mean, it's very vague. But if you've got the Privy Council, mm. the people that advise the fucking monarchy, which actually used to mean something back yeah. then. And actually used to do shit. Yeah. And we used to celebrate their birth just so you had a figurehead that people could follow. Yeah. Well, back then, the monarchy was more than just that. Monarchy was more than what? They had absolute power back then, almost. Yeah, I know. Pretty much so. I know. The monarchy meant something. That's what I meant. Oh, I'm right. just making a slight on the fact that people are celebrating that this duchess has gotten herself pregnant again. Yeah, and the fact that some little shit's going to school. Oh, yeah, that kid's going to school. I will admit that kid is cute, but I don't give a shit. And also, who runs around taking pictures of a fucking three-year-old? Like, who does that? That's fucking creepy. Like, you should get arrested for that shit. 
I, I can understand school photos because a lot of people do that. It's all over Facebook, you know, people taking photos of their fucking kids. Yeah, but I saw a pap shot of him going to school. Yeah, true. Because people should be locked up. Yeah. I thought in Britain you're not allowed to take pictures of kids under, like, 16 or 18, even if they are celebrities' kids. I, don't, I think technically paparazzis can do whatever they want. Okay, yeah, they can do it, but we're not supposed to be able to publish it. Yeah. British press aren't supposed to be able to publish it. But anyway, the royal family now, nothing. They don't mean anything, they're just a strain on our taxes. But back then, the royal family actually meant something, and these are people that are above the royal family, it mm. seems like, advising them on what to do. Yeah. And they could make their own rules, they can arrest people if they wanted to. It seems like they were above everyone. Yeah. And they're vouching for Christopher Marlowe, so obviously there should be some sort of link. I mean, they're not going to just write a letter for any old guy. Mm. Yeah. From what I can remember the Privy Council, I think Queen definitely needed them on their side, on her side, to stay in power. So mm. these are people you don't want to piss off. Pretty much. They're like the most powerful people in their given sections of employment. So, and they've come together. Yeah. They can pretty much do whatever the fuck they like. Mm. There are some other reasons that people believe that Christopher Marlowe was a spy. In 1589... Due to his involvement in the death of his neighbour, Thomas Watson, who was also a poet, because all poets and writers and playwrights are friends. Yeah. It is true, though. Yeah. <laughs> it is really true. He was imprisoned at Newgate Prison for two weeks and released eventually without charge, even though he was involved in some sort of murder. Mm. He was released without charge. And there is no recorded evidence of him being anywhere within the following two months after that. So people think that he might have been on a mission at the time. He was also arrested that year in Vlissingen, I believe that's how it's pronounced, which is in the Netherlands, for the counterfeiting of coins. And he was put forward to get arrested or prosecuted, but somehow got off. Apparently, he was released without charge because he was in the middle of a mission. Ah. Yeah. Yeah, I think the evidence is building up here. The only other thing I found out was you talk about Watson, Thomas Watson. Mm -hmm. They were um, once arrested for a duel. And when they were arrested for this duel, both of them, the government literally rushed to their help. So they provided funds and counsel for them. And with Watson, it turned out to be particularly important because he actually carried secret dispatches for the Secretary of State. So it's pretty solid evidence to believe he was a spy. Mm. So... Sounds like Watson was one of his spy friends. Yeah. So the theory is that Kit was recruited while he was still at Cambridge, which I buy mm. because that happens. I know it happens, guys. I know you're listening, MI5, yeah. CIA, Mossad, NSA. <laughs> you go and recruit all these kids while they're still in college and you have college professors on your payroll that suggest to you the best students. I know you do it. Yeah. Yeah. Why didn't you pick me? Yeah, those students get the tap on the shoulder. That's what happened. Yeah, that didn't happen to us, though. So maybe I'm wrong about this theory. This is what I was kind of a bit annoyed about. I, I didn't get a letter from the Privy Council, you know, saying I should get a degree. Yeah, but Matt, also, we didn't go to Cambridge. True. Privy Council wouldn't have given a shit about us. <laughs> oh, come on, King, let's not do down Kingston. <laughs> to be fair, like, shouldn't the secret services of the world want people in the low end as well as the high end i think they sometimes do go for 
those kind of people. But you have to be kind of remarkable. Yeah. And if you're kind of remarkable, would you be in the low-end schools? Ah, yeah, I get the point. It's going to be quite clever people. They're not always going to be posh. True. My brother did well in in college, so he's going to a good uni, so maybe he'll get recruited. Maybe. Do you have to necessarily be intelligent, though? No, you just have to be good at something. Yeah, I think you've got to physically be quite, you know. Well, not necessarily. They might need people that are good at computers. They might need people that are just good at languages. Spying isn't all about action. There's so many different things to do when you're a spy. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but they probably prefer an all-rounder, but that's not going to happen a lot of the time. No. So, yeah, so the theory is that he was recruited by the Privy Council at Cambridge. So, we will get on to his demise, which is what the episode is kind of about. So, after the French War of Religion, there were plenty of refugees flying about from France and the Netherlands and places in Europe, primarily Protestants, and a lot of them had settled in the UK. In May 1593, a large number of them started receiving threatening letters that were written in iambic pentameter. So iambic pentameter is a style of writing which is frequently used by... Christopher Marlowe. Christopher Marlowe. Yeah, I think I've heard of it, but I I don't know what it actually is. I think it's something to do with the beat. Yeah. I do do remember someone telling me what it was about, but I, I wasn't really listening, I don't think. It's not necessarily rhyming, I think. It's just the beat of a sentence, I believe. Mm. But I'm not 100% sure because it's been a while since I did English. So I currently only know the basics. And to be honest, I never really like poetry writing all that much. We like the beats, um, though, don't we? Yeah, we like the beats. <laughs> I mean, I know it's surprising that I don't like poetry writing that much because I'm such a good songstress that <laughs> Matt knows about. Oh, yeah. You've listened to my songs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, song. Yeah. And I've actually written some poems, actually. Maybe I'm a poet. I would definitely say you're unique. I have a unique outlook in poetry. I don't deal with, like, the pastiche or... I don't know why I said pastiche. <laughs> it's just a fancy word. It doesn't mean anything in the context that I'm saying it in. But it's a fancy word. Yeah, it's nice to use it every now and then. Yeah. I don't care about all these flowery imagery or pathetic fallacy mm. or metaphors about vaginas and things. No, I'm straight to the fucking point. I make it rhyme. (laughs) Sometimes the sentence structure isn't great because, like, one sentence is about six syllables long and the next sentence about 12 syllables long. But it works. Yeah, it works. For who the audience is intended to be. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Which is our clique, Matt. Oh, oh, yeah, our our terrible clique. Yeah. So these letters were written in iambic pentameter. Mm -hmm. And following this, the Privy Council ordered the arrest of any of those involved. Initially, Thomas Kidd, who is also a playwright and contemporary slash colleague of Kit Marlowe, was arrested. Um, Writings were found similar to that of the tone of the letters. Mm. And Kidd claimed that it was actually Christopher Marlowe's (gasps) writings. Yeah, I know, right? He accused... This was done through letters, and he accused Marlowe of being cruel and blasphemous. Following that, a warrant for Marlowe's arrest was issued on the 18th of May, 1593. He actually handed himself in a couple of days later, on the 20th of May. Mm. Uh, But they told him to piss off because they were busy, pretty much. That's how it went down. They probably didn't use those words, but that's how it went down. (laughs) Ten days later, on the 30th of May, uh, Marlowe died. And people believed initially, as well as centuries afterwards that he was stabbed to death in a drunken brawl. In 1925, 
an inquest into his death, which happened a few days later, on the 1st of June 1593, was uncovered by Leslie Hodson. Mm. And that inquest said that he was stabbed above the right eye and he died instantly. He was stabbed by Ingram Freiser, I believe that's how it's pronounced, or Freitzer, Freiser. Um, I don't actually know. I think Freitzer, there's probably, could be either. No, Freitzer, wouldn't there be like a T or somewhere in there? Maybe. It does, Freitzer sounds a bit German, I think. Yeah. I, I, we'll call him Freiser. <laughs> yeah. So Freiser killed him in self-defense because Marlow had actually tried to stab him in the head with a dagger. Mm. And this was said to be a disagreement about finances. I, I heard it was a disagreement over the uh, tab at this bar. Is that not finances? Uh, kind of. It's money. Finances sounds a bit more serious. Okay, then. It's about a tab at a bar. I just didn't want to rip everything off Wikipedia, so I reworded shit. You were pedantic about the spiders. I'm going to be pedantic about this. Go away. They don't know what we're talking about with the spiders. Yeah, well, <clears> that's <throat> just for you. <clears throat> like I said before, this only came to light in 1925. Mm. Um, Hotson actually agrees with the account in the inquest, but he did say that there is a possibility it could be untrue. People since have argued against it because of the reliability of the witnesses at the time, mm. which were friends with Christopher Marlowe, but they included people like conmen. Mm. Right. Um, yeah, as you said, there's reason to not believe these witnesses because they were quite um, a dodgy set of people. Technically, the story was that it was in some kind of bar, in some kind of like public house kind of thing. Yeah, and it turns out it was in a widow's house. It's a safe space for spies as well, it turned out. So it's a safe house, basically. Yeah, and one of the people involved, it was either Freitzer or Poli. I think it's Poli. Oh, yeah, there was quite a few people at this point in time that I... Sh- I should have mentioned before, there was quite a few people at this gathering. Mm. Yeah, um, he was known to be a proven liar. What also caught suspicion is the fact that Freitzer, he was pardoned remarkably quickly. I think he was pardoned within something like 28 days of having this killed, uh, you know, Christopher Marlowe, which at the time was was quite quick. No, not really, because we've done cases like this before, and, like, stuff goes from trial to execution within like a couple of actually no, he, 28 he got, days he got a royal pardon within 28 days a uh, royal pardon happen. okay so and also um the uh autopsy or whatever it was no inquest inquest well and actually i think i am talking about the autopsy here the autopsy was only done by one person when there should have technically been two people there that's been highlighted by some people as being a bit suspicious and because if that was if that was known at the time, or if if people had known about that, um, they wouldn't have taken the conclusions of that autopsy seriously. So it shouldn't have ever gone to the inquest that autopsy report. Also, I think I read something that about the fact that the wound couldn't have killed him or something like that. So there's a lot of things that don't add up for some people. So what some of the theories that people have come up with? A lot of it has to do with the fact that Marlowe uh, was quite a controversial character. Mm, for, yeah. uh, you mentioned um, that he wrote The Jew of Malta, which yeah, had that... some homosexuality in. No, I think that or was... was that one? one second. That was Edward II. Ah, right. I think The Jew of Malta featured anti-Semitism. Yeah, there was rumours that Marlowe himself was um, a homosexual as well. So that would have been 
pretty Yeah, he didn't marry at all. Yeah. He was just, in general, known as a quite controversial character. He, in general, he made a lot of, like, anti-church kind of comments. And he he made, apparently, um, is it Kit, uh, Thomas Kidd, was it? Yeah. He uh, insulted him with some rather rude jokes about Jesus, uh, same-sex love and the Bible. So, And uh, mostly, I, I think he was trying to provoke a response from this Thomas Kidd. Yeah, he's just like the Piers Morgan of his day. You know, he was a bit he was a bit of a rebel in some ways, I suppose you could say, particularly for the time. I just realised I insulted Kit by saying he's the Piers Morgan of the day. I know. That's harsh. I yeah. should have realised that. This uh, became particularly dangerous because in 1593, the year he died, heresy kind of became akin to treason. So, Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention there were heretic writings that were found in kids' belongings that he stated were Marlowe's. Yeah. It seems like this kid kind of betrayed him a little bit, I think. Well, if you were going to be arrested for something someone else did, and that someone else isn't even a friend of yours, he's someone that you don't like, he's just someone that you work with, wouldn't you sing like a canary? Yeah, and it's quite easy to pin it on Marlowe, because... He probably did say half of this stuff anyway, so... Yeah. And spies would literally be trying to incriminate a lot of people and try and prove they were that these people were atheists and stuff like that. And you'd be reward, rewarded quite well for doing so. So there's quite a lot to gain by trying to get Marlowe out of the way. That sets the scene for a lot of this. A lot of people believe that this is related to how he died. And there's possibly like some evidence to believe this one possible theory i've heard um but i don't think is taken too seriously by historians is that it was actually a guy you might have heard of walter rawley rawley there's oh, i know you're meant to say it some certain way but i think it's rawley yeah rawley. There's, there's a big debate about how you pronounce it though but basically, they wanted Marlowe to testify against Sir Walter Raleigh. Oh, Rayleigh. Walter Rayleigh. No, no, it's not how you pronounce it. It's, it's Raleigh, I think is how they Wait, it's R-A and then Lee. Yeah, it's, it's a weird, there's a weird debate about because like, there's a bike company that's got a similar name. It's not how you pronounce the bike company. I, I, I'm saying it's Rayleigh because that's how it's spelt. No, it's Raleigh. Fucking hell, then there should be a W in there. Yeah, so the, the assumption is that um, Marlowe was unwilling to comply and basically he was throttled to death on the spot. Throttled? Where'd the stab wound come from then? Yeah, I, um, that's why I think historians debate it a little bit. There's no real evidence that there was ever a plot against Raleigh. So he, you know, he might have been stabbed because he wouldn't testify against Raleigh, but there, there's not a lot of evidence for it. Like it, it could have happened because that was the kind of time that they were in. So anyone who was perhaps had a bit of power, uh, which Sir Walter Raleigh did, then, you know, there would be people trying to go against him. While historians don't really see any evidence for it, it might be true. At this time in particular, uh, Marlowe's theatre career wasn't, or his playwright career was starting to go a little bit downwards slightly because of the plague had uh, closed a lot of uh, theatres. He couldn't get much money for his plays 
the secret service which employed him had recently lost uh, a regular budget so he wasn't getting much money from that either so at this point in time he's quite desperate for money this comes to a, a possible theory that together with the fact that you know he didn't have much money and that he was possibly going to be in trouble with about his heretical kind of statements that he tried to fake his death uh, this is quite a popular theory because of their connection to Shakespeare, because the belief yeah. is that he faked his death and then carried on writing plays as Shakespeare. I think that's a theory that's more revolved around the Shakespeare because they just want a, yeah. another theory in there. And it's just the most easiest one because they were so similar. So I don't think that was probably an initial theory. I think that's probably just come over time because of the Shakespeare theory. Yeah. They just needed a way of Marlowe to have been able to write Shakespeare's works. Yeah. On this whole Shakespeare point, there's not a lot of actual evidence that they are the same writer. But whether he faked his death or not, it is quite possible. And there's one historian, I think, said somewhere, it's it would have been quite easy to do because this is a time before... Uh, photos and stuff like that and before you know past yeah you could just walk off into the ether and then just be a new person yeah it, it's not totally impossible for him to do so whether whether he did that or not but again there's there's the problem is we can't prove it because there's no evidence to just suggest that he did so it's another one of those theories you just have to kind of perhaps say it might be true but i we're unlikely to find out whether he did or not because there's not much of a trail he could leave. Again, maybe if he if he carried on writing, possibly not as Shakespeare as some people like to think. Maybe if he had children. Mm. I don't mean like the children alive today, but he's got a bloodline. But we, we, there's no one to test it against unless there was a familial bloodline. But I don't know if he has any siblings yeah. to compare it with. So, and I don't know if that would be too far gone because it was hundreds of years ago. I don't know if they'd be able to trace it. Mm, yeah. But that's the only way we'd know that. So, yeah, it's, it's quite hard to, to kind of really find any evidence. So, I, I, I don't remember whether I believe or not. I kind of, I personally, I think he probably did die at the time, I would have thought. I think he died, but... I don't think he died, as the inquest says. It. Yeah, I think I think he upset a lot of people. So, I think he's mm -hmm. the kind of character that would. I, he's, I think he sounds quite quite a controversial character for the time. So, mm. some of the theories are quite. There's some quite like petty ones. Like there's a man called Thomas Walsingham, I think it is, who was meant to be quite good friends with Marlowe. And I'm going to come on to a, a, a more serious theory. But there's a theory that um, this guy's uh, wife was jealous of Marlowe's kind of friendship with her husband. And that um, she arranged for him, to, for Marlowe to be murdered because of how close this friendship was. I mean, it's possible it happens. Yeah. But I don't think it would have been because of a friendship. I mean, we've already established that. Possibly Marlowe has some homosexual tendencies. Yeah. I mean, I think it's silly to believe that he wouldn't have acted on it. Yeah. I, she, she was quite possible she felt threatened. Could you imagine how it would look on her if people found out her husband was having an affair with a man? Yeah. Not even a woman, a man. Especially back then, it would be her fault, wouldn't it? True, yeah. I think, I think it's one of those things that was more acceptable if you kept it secret, but if you let it be known. Um... 
There's another theory that he was killed on the orders of Sir Robert Cecil, who was Queen Elizabeth's, like, she, I think it's like Queen Elizabeth's personal advisor or something like that. He was very high up in this time. He literally was kind of like the head of the court there and stuff like that. So He was the Lord High Treasurer. Yeah, that's essentially like the Prime Minister of the day. Yeah, Lord Privy Seal, so I'm assuming that means Privy Council. Chancellor of the Duchy of Lancaster, <laughs> Secretary of State. Yeah. Yeah, all of those titles he held. He's got pretty much every title you could probably think of. Until death, not even retirement, until death he held those titles. Yeah, I think he lived after Queen Elizabeth, didn't he, as well? So. What year did he die? Do you know? He died in 1612. Yeah, he did. Yeah, and the idea is that um, this Sir Robert Cecil had Marlowe killed because of um, his plays because the plays contained Catholic propaganda. So mm. so it must have been the Protestants he was against. Yeah, it's the Protestants. Because of the writing and the propaganda. Yeah, there is some people who actually believe he was actually killed um, because of finances. That um, Freitzer and another guy who was there um, called Skears or something, I think that's his surname. I don't have his first name. Nicholas, Nicholas Skears. Nicholas Skears, yeah. The idea here was that um, they were pressuring, pressuring Marlowe to pay back money that he owed these two, but he obviously wouldn't hand it over, and the idea is they killed him. So, I mean, that could actually be true. He was desperate for money at the time, we know. So he probably didn't have much money to give them, so he could well have been killed. Over yeah, that. I mean, they probably did it accidentally, though. Because if, how is he going to pay you back if he's dead? You just really just want to rough him up a little bit, don't you? Yeah, threaten him a bit. It does seem a bit convenient, though, with all that's going on, I think, for him to just die over, fight over money. Mm. Uh, there is actually one rumour that the Queen herself ordered the assassination. But uh, I think I read historians don't really believe this because there's not much reason for her to be personally offended as such. I guess if he was getting a large following and then he was expressing his beliefs upon them, mm. he could be changing the minds of her subjects. Yeah. And that's something that she wouldn't want, would she? Because she could end up in the middle of a revolt. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of fear about Catholics at the time, and it's only um, a few years after the Spanish Armada as well, so... I think it's more to do with him being on the verge of atheism. Yeah. So it, it, it's possible, but... From what I've read, people aren't too convinced by this one. I don't understand, because the theories I've read, it's just like, some of it is because he's Catholic, some of it's because he's atheist. Do we know what religion he actually was? I think he was just a bit of a provocateur, so I think he kind of just would go with whatever pissed people off at the time. I mm, think. Maybe. There's another theory that Pfizer murdered Marlowe because, once again, the close relationship that Marlowe had with Thomas Walsingham. That's another theory. And that's all about jealousy again. And there's a particular worry that uh, Marlowe's behaviour might have an effect on Walsingham's reputation. So, you know, with, with Marlowe being quite a controversial character, this could get Walsingham into trouble. But the theory with Walsingham is that, because basically there's, uh, Walsingham was said to be quite a good friend of Walsingham, but there's perhaps some evidence to believe that their friendship was getting a little bit strained at the times. So Thomas Waltz Walsingham was a patron of Marlowe's. So I forget what 
patron means exactly in this circumstance. Whether he like funded some of the stuff, I think is yeah what they mean or supporter of it, some some way aiding it. Yeah. Now Marlow uh, knew Walsingham as quite a kind of you know was quite a cultivated man, and he was you know a very keen Latinist, so he was quite high up. And he was married to um, or Lady Audrey, who um, was quite close to the royal family, I think, because she received royal gifts. So, so maybe her and Queen Elizabeth were in it together. Possibly, possibly. And again, here there's the connection with Freitzer, who would have likely benefited financially from the death of, of Marlowe. And there is actually, because there's another theory here as well, which involves Walsingham. When Queen Elizabeth was going to die, he was going to succeed. So King James, who was the first of England, but the sixth of Scotland at the time, was one of those people who wanted to succeed Queen Elizabeth. So, oh, that's a bit confusing. So King James, he actually succeeded Queen Elizabeth after she died? Yeah. At this time, there was a bit of a fight over who was going to succeed her because um, she hadn't married, she didn't have any children, so there was a big kind of thing about well who's going to succeed her and there's a bit of a fear that king james might even try because queen elizabeth was getting on by this stage so there was a bit of a worry that king james would possibly try and take the throne by force and there's a theory that he may have possibly been connected to marlowe's death but i'm not quite sure how though but there's evidence to suggest this uh, to some historians because of a jacobean indenture which i've got no clue what actually that is um, uh, the jacobites weren't they the people that wanted yeah, indep- I, scottish I independence are, from the british what an indenture is uh, i'm assuming it's got something to do with the jacobites uh, it's a legal agreement a contract or a document okay so it had nothing to do with the jacobites then well it would have been a jacobean legal agreement okay. or document so it's a document by some jacobites okay then so, um but it's in quite an offhand way so whether King James ordered the murder of Marlowe through Thomas Walsingham. Thomas Walsingham lived at Scadbury where Marlowe um, had escaped temporarily from the plague and also he, he'd gone there when he was running away from the heresy accusations. The problem with this was that eventually Marlowe was perhaps getting a bit of a burden on Walsingham. So, you know, he was, not only was he funding this guy, this guy was then also carry on his her- heretical kind of statements. And this could have possibly harmed Walsingham. He might have lost lucrative court favours, could have even lost his house and his estate. The Queen could have taken that off him. So it could have really like um, been very dangerous for Walsingham to have been associated with Marlowe for much longer. And there's a very strong theory that Walsingham eventually just got fed up of Marlowe and betrayed him. And... Uh, I think the idea is that the Queen wanted Walsingham to kind of testify against Marlowe at some point. And uh, the Queen was never sure of Walsingham because while he seemed loyal to her, he was also someone who was scheming for James VI to succeed her. So, yeah, basically, I think that's the idea. Again, Poley, Robert Poley, he was associated Mm -hmm. with Walsingham as well. 
And he was like, he was quite a famous liar because he was one of the people that the testimony was from. Yeah, he was one of the con men, wasn't he? Well, he was the con man of the bunch. Yeah, you, you say this should never have been believed at all, so in a way, because this guy's a bit of a wrongen, as they would say. It's a proper wrongen. Yeah. Because he was a double agent as well for the government. So how can you trust a double agent? Yeah. There's also perhaps, I think, an idea that uh, Marlowe's you know, career as a spy might have been getting a bit dangerous as well for Walsingham. So basically the idea is that Walsingham, while he might himself might have not actually ordered the murder as such, or not directly maybe, he certainly didn't prevent it. And he basically let his servants kill Marlowe, is the idea. Because Freitzer and uh, Nicholas Gears were, I think... I know Freitzer was a servant of Walsingham. Whether Skiers was or not, I don't know. No, Skiers was a government agent. Oh, and he was the one that was con man, sorry. Yeah. And he was government informer, also known as a professional deceiver. Yeah, because that's what's interesting is that the I, basically all of these people that were present at Marlowe's death were either spies or servants of Walsingham. So some people have kind of got the idea that it's a strong possibility that Walsingham was maybe involved in some form. And I think the idea is that it was just convenient for him, for Marlowe to be kind of murdered, you know. The people who benefited it from it financially were people like Freitzer and Skiers. There's no actual sign that Walsingham himself financially benefited from the death, but it would have definitely been a relief to him. So I think this is quite a strong possibility myself. Marlowe's death is very convenient, if you think about it, with a lot of what's it going is. on. Yeah, it's possible that he may have, you know, financially been in trouble and that he was accidentally murdered for not, you know, giving money. But I don't know. I kind of feel that with this whole, like, heretical kind of thing going on, I think it's got something to do with that. And whether he just got on people's nerves and he just became too dangerous to be known or to be associated with. That's, I think, a pretty strong theory. I think this last theory is the one I'd probably go for myself. I am pretty sure it's something to do with the Privy Council, obviously. I just think he's a liability as well. Like, he kept getting arrested. He was probably on a downward slide anyway. Yeah. I think he was becoming less useful to them, probably, and more of a liability. So there was no point of them keeping him around. Yeah. Also, I kind of think, it is possible that Walsingham, the Queen, the Privy Council, and pretty much just everyone was in on this. They just decided to have Yeah, because they all were linked together. I mean, the Privy Council was working on, well, I would say on behalf of the Queen, but alongside the Queen. Mm. And he was working for the Privy Council. The witnesses were all associated with the Privy Council. Yeah. And the Privy Council is fucking powerful. And that would explain the inquest as well, yeah. as well as the autopsy. Yeah. They, he didn't have a standard autopsy. He had a royal pardoning. I mean, not not him, but Pfizer had a royal pardoning. Yeah. Which, why the hell would he get a royal pardoning? It does just seem everyone wants to just kind of get this over and done with as quick as possible. Just kind of mm. slide it under the carpet. So, yeah, maybe they're all in on it. The Queen, the Privy Council and the people in the room. I kind of feel it's got to be in a way because, because as I said, that pardoning was unusually quick for the time. 
particularly a royal pardon. I don't understand why there was a pardoning. Yeah, but what's also interesting is that as soon as this guy was pardoned, he went back to working for Thomas Walsingham. And if you consider, Walsingham was meant to be a really good friend of Marlowe's. Would you necessarily welcome the guy who's just killed your friend straight well, back? If, if the inquest was true, mm. Marlowe tried to attack him first. Yeah. And did attack him first. Yeah. He, uh, still, he's a, he's essentially a servant, and he's just killed your kind of friend. Mm-hmm. Well, Fraser, I don't know. I just think they were all in on it, the higher-ups, because he was a liability to them, especially if he was mailing stuff to Protestant refugees. Yeah. I mean, that's not keeping his wackiness contained anymore. That's spreading it on people that didn't ask for it. Yeah. He didn't have many, like, inhibitions, you get what I mean? I think he thrived on the controversy a lot. I think that he just overstretched that a bit. He liked being controversial. Yeah, maybe. Didn't realise, actually, this is going to get me killed one day. Exactly. It's quite a conservative era. Yeah. And he was very forward-thinking with his work. And his work was gaining traction as he was dying. Yeah. So if they'd let him live any longer, it could have gotten more outrageous. Mm. And they want to keep people in line. Yeah, because I was reading stuff about him like being a street fighter. He sounds like he like he thrives on danger a little bit. So yeah, that's probably why he loved being a spy. Yeah, it's probably why he signed up to it. It does sound pretty cool, being a spy. Oh, the spy life for him. Uh, yeah, the spy life. <laughs> mm. I wouldn't necessarily mind writing plays and. You know, having jewels and... Yeah, you need to learn how to write, Matt. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I can write. <laughs> if you say so. Yeah. I, I, so I, definitely, I definitely agree there's something fishy. And I, don't, I certainly don't believe the official account of what happened here. I don't either. It's a bit too tied up with a bow. And to be fair, I don't think a lot of historians do. I think they all think it's a bit dodgy from what I've read. It's bollocks. Yeah. Yeah, it's a shame that he didn't live longer because he seemed very radical, forward-thinking. I feel like he could have done some work. Like, the only reason Shakespeare is so famous is he did so much work and his career lasted quite a while. Marlowe could have been on the same level as Shakespeare, I guess, if he was allowed to live. You know what? We could have been, like, celebrating Marlowe these days. Yeah. He could be the famous playwright and we wouldn't know much about Shakespeare. Yeah, and admittedly, Shakespeare was influenced by Marlowe. Yeah. And that was right at the beginning of Marlowe's career. Could you imagine what it would grow to? That's one of the things that kind of puts me off the idea that Marlowe might have carried on as Shakespeare. Because from what I understand, Marlowe's plays were like a lot more maturer than Shakespeare's at the time. Mm. You've got to believe that Marlowe would suddenly just start writing kind of more immaturely as Shakespeare and then suddenly start writing maturer plays again. I don't think that quite worked. Yeah. This episode has made me feel like we should do a Shakespeare follow-up because I don't think Christopher Marlowe was Shakespeare even more than I didn't think he was before. Yeah. Because now seeing his personality, I don't think he'd hide it. Mm. I don't. And he's very outgoing. I don't think he'd be able to live a cushy life packed up away somewhere. I don't think he'd be able to fake his death and carry on writing as Shakespeare. I don't know. The thing is, what I read is that he wouldn't have been that famous outside of the educated cities. So, like, Cambridge and Canterbury and perhaps London. He he wouldn't have been awfully well-known outside of those places. So it is possible that he could have hidden himself away for a while. Would he have stopped working? I mean, I don't think he would have been Shakespeare. 
I don't think he wrote Shakespeare's work, but I don't think he would have stopped writing if he faked his death. To be honest, he sounds to me a bit of an ex- exhibitionist. I'm not mm. sure he'd be able to hide away, necessarily. No. He'd come out. He probably might go away for a little while until everything dies down, and then he'd come back saying, ha-ha, fooled you guys. Yeah, because I, I think some people go on the fact that, because um, there's a portrait of him, and it, I think some people think it looks suspiciously like a painting of Shakespeare later on in his life. But I, yeah, I don't but... know. It's not, like, obviously similar, so I couldn't say whether it is him or not. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say I think all the guys back then looked the same. Yeah, pretty much. I like they had the notice. same fashion, they had the same looks. And also, it's a painting, it's not a picture. Mm. Some things could be different. Yeah, I did notice that um, Marley... For the age, he looks pretty good looking in it. When you consider a lot of people look pretty ugly in his paintings of the time. Yeah, he does actually look decent. Yeah. Um, We better wrap up soon, I think. We do need to wrap up. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I think that he was off by the privy and the queen. Yeah, I I think pretty much everyone was responsible for his death. Even the bloody wife. Yeah. Really? Even Audrey? Possibly. I think maybe Thomas was perhaps a bit reluctant to have him killed. And his wife was perhaps putting pressure on him and stuff like that. You know, think of all this. You know, look at the house and the, the gifts. Okay, I don't think they're all connected to it because there's so many theories. I don't think they're all connected to his death. I think it's just the privy and the queen and mm. the people around them. Do you know what? I, I, th- I think society was responsible for his death. I think society is responsible for a lot of deaths. Yeah, and I think society should have a good look at itself and think about what it does. Yeah, so I think we can say goodbye because I don't want to talk to you anymore. I've spent too much time with you today. Yeah, exactly. And I'm sick of your face. You're going to make me cry now. Uh, I might just go watch the Jews of Malta or something. No, it's the, <laughs> the Jew Jews of Malta. Of, yeah, the Jew. There's only one Jew in Malta. Come on. Apparently, <laughs> apparently, if you talk to Kit Marlowe, Kit is actually a cool name. Yeah, that's not a bad name. Fun fact about Christopher Marlowe. He was recently played by Jamie Bell in a adaptation, well, not an adaptation, a TV show about William Shakespeare called Will on TNT, which has been cancelled. I think it was Jamie Bell or one of the other Jamies, but I'm pretty sure it was Jamie Bell. We'll have to find that out. No, it's been cancelled. I can't bother to watch it. I was going to, but... Who cares, then? Apparently, its reviews are a bit mixed, and now it's been cancelled. I'm just like, well, should I waste my time? Probably not. Yeah. As we established, I don't like historical dramas, so... And also, I'm... I actually forgot how depressed I was before we started this episode about Kit only being 29 when he died and having that body of work and we're almost at that age. He, he's uh, only a few years older than us. I, I think it's best not for us to linger on this time. And... Yeah, yeah, so um, I'm just going to go and cry for myself to sleep. Anyway, so... we've got two and a bit years to, to write something. Wait, so two and a bit. I'm, How old do you think I am? Oh, fuck, you're older than me, aren't you? Um, you're I'm older than, than you, me. am I? Yeah, younger. Yeah, I'm younger than you. I'm 21, remember? Fuck off. But, uh, okay, yeah, I forgot me. you know who I am. Yeah. I just do that with new people. Yeah. If I lie about my age now, it's more believable when I'm 40. We'll have to wait and see. No, if I tell people I'm 21 now and just decide to restart my ageing process in about 10 years, it's going to be more believable to people I meet in 11 years. If you say so, Tarvin. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go. Okay. So, bye. Bye.